speaking of little beast, what yes, is or, the, or big beasts, or as the case beasts. may be. What is the uh, film we're discussing today? The Beast Within. Yeah. Great title. Yeah, Great don't, title. don't let it mislead you. Also... <laughs> you mean, are you saying that the quality of the movie isn't up to the quality of the title? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, we'll get into why it might be misleading, but the poster is amazing for this yes, film. Yeah. Um, it's one of the things I've tried to continue uh, discussing on this podcast is the posters of the films we're talking about. Uh, Beast Within would be one of my favorites. It really, really is. so far, man. You know how I like that that stark color contrast, yeah, that negative space. Yeah. yeah, it's really good, and it doesn't really give away what it is that's happening in the film. What the beast that's in the true. Beast Within that's true. It, is. Uh, it teases your interest, but it doesn't right. uh, it doesn't spoil anything. No, it doesn't, and uh, I really liked it. Well, beasts aside, yeah, I got to start with a question. Okay. If you were forced, somehow, let's say it's possible, that you were forced to live in the little town in Mississippi in this movie, at the time period of this movie, how long would it take you to kill yourself? Am I being born in that town, or am I the age no, I am right now? Yeah, you're who you are right now, and you just dropped into, what is it, Niobe, Mississippi. Two weeks. 1980-something. Max. Do you think you'd make it two weeks? I don't know. Now, I have a... Th- I have a theory about... I guess you could be drunk for two weeks. Yeah. It's not a theory. It's more of an opinion on Mississippi. Mississippi is the asshole of America, literally. <laughs> Think about where... What flows... I mean... The, oh, you mean you because know, of the river. Because the of the river, river yeah. and, 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 and other things. The, um, the, um, the colon of North America. Right. Correct. So I I was kind of excited to see a horror film that took place in Mississippi because I literally do not like that state and no no offense to anyone from Mississippi or or currently residing in Mississippi. I mean we're recording this in Arkansas, so we so, have yeah we have a limited amount of room here to speak. Although it is you know in Arkansas, of course, uh, there is that saying, "Thank God for Mississippi," or we'd be last. Yeah, because you know yeah. we're either going to be number one or number two at the bottom of the bad lists. Yeah, we really are. And when we're number two, it's usually Mississippi because Mississippi. One. Yeah. So thank thank God for them. I was um, born in Mississippi. I, I have the, uh, <laughs> the the great personal honor of having been born in Mississippi and raised in Arkansas. Thanks, mom and dad. Gee, I didn't know that, Jonathan. Yeah, because because where we lived in Arkansas, where my parents lived in Arkansas at the time of my birth, Mississippi was the closest hospital. That was the best option. Oh wow! That, oh, that, cool. that tells they you where they were southeast. Yeah, yeah, the uh, antiquated part of of this glorious state. This film was made in 82. Uh, we've covered a few films made in 82. Another 80s classic. Yeah. Directed by a guy named uh, Felipe Mora. And the screenplay was written by a man named Tom Holland, not the Tom Holland that's playing Peter Parker in the MCU currently. Well, that's disappointing. Right. I think he could have he done a good job but, um, writing the script for this movie. The... The writing credits get a little fo- get a little foggy because it's it's kind of it's a little twisted. So in the beginning of the the credits, you'll see that it was based on a novel by Edward Levy. And yeah, I think I read about this. There's something like they were written at the same time, right? So the the publishers for the book wanted the book like as soon as he announced it, and so what he did was he knew. <laughs> Tom Holland was working on this screenplay called The Beast Within, and once Tom Holland finished the script, he took the script and wrote the novelization of the screenplay. So it's 
it's not and and so tom holland should get full credit for writing the novel as well yeah uh but he gets no credit for for the novelization which I don't know if it's any better than the film or not. You know, I'm not gonna. Well, if you're gonna, I might read it. If but. you're gonna judge this just based on the quality of the script, mm. what do you think? Oh, there's a plot holes. You know, it's not, it's not perfect. The monster, um, like the nature of the monster, is never really explained. Not really. It's kind of left up to you. It's kind of southern in that way, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like kind of gothic. You know. Yeah. So there's just you don't really question that horrible things come out of the woods. Well, they try to go in to explain that it that. It's a cicada because the uh, it took it seventeen years to resurface through this this kid through um, its, its progeny through yeah through its child and um, they he he mentions the cicadas and and the buzzing sound that sounds like a Star Trek ship yeah, they, it, they use that quite cicadas. a bit yeah, yeah I've never heard cicadas sound like that. no they don't sound like that uh, we're very. We're very uh, familiar with the sound of cicadas here in this. State. Yes, and um, they, do, they don't sound like they do in the movie. No, fortunately, they don't assist people in transforming into some weird, not werewolf. Yeah, it's a weird monster in this movie. It is. It is weird, and I was expecting, and that's why I was saying the the poster might be a letdown because I was expecting a werewolf, um, even from like the screenshots that I've seen. Where the kid's face is is expanding, I was like, "Oh, it's werewolf movie." Here we go with American Werewolf in London. Have you ever seen a transform? Because there's a great monster transformation in this movie. Have you have you ever seen a non werewolf monster transformation like this? I don't think that I have. No, I mean with this much like practical effect and swelling and so they used what's called. Um, you mean it? to produce the swelling? Like to get yeah, that so it's called bulging look? It's called something, yeah. Episode title, That Bulging Look. Oh, here it is, here it is. So this is this came out in 82, which is around the time uh, The Howling and American Werewolf in London came out, which is kind of why I kind of expected a yeah. low-budget version of those. So when I saw the intro and it was like United Artists film, I was like, oh, this is a, a big-budget film. What's going on here? Why is it another big-budget werewolf film? Well, obviously it wasn't, but they did use some of the same effects that are used in both of those films, and it's called air bladder special effects makeup. Okay. Where they put a condom under makeup and then fill it with some sort of either air or goo to make it swell and pulsate. And that is the only appropriate use for a condom, says the guy with five kids. Right. (laughs) Well, <laughs> condoms come. Um, Do people and, really use them? Oh yeah, really? Oh like out yeah. In the world? That's amazing. Oh yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> damn it, Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> the um, they're used in in special effects quite a bit. Like it's they're useful things, you know. There, but we won't go into that. Um, I'm all about them for the special effects. So they yeah. they work really well, particularly in this. That face when it starts mm-hmm. to. Uh. Let's just say it's not uh, the quality of the thing or the howling. Or American Werewolf in London, but that's, it does have... That's definitely true. It's fucking gross. It is disgusting. Um, I was watching it in the coffee shop, and I had to shield the screen from customers... From passersby. <laughs> passersby, <laughs> because I was worried with, I was going to be thought of watching this disgusting-ass shit. Number one, that's not the only shit that's disgusting in this movie, No, there's though. so many disgusting moments. Um, I'm kind of surprised... 
uh, or that you know this movie hasn't gotten me too to bit because the plot is bookended by sexual assaults. That's what I was going to get into. Was and I don't know if it's worse or better that the aggressor isn't human, right? Really? Well, it kind of though. Ish yeah. used to be. So we get a we get quite a bit of exposition, but it's toward the end of the film, and thank God we get that because I was lost. But I was also here for it, but I was not, I did not like, one of the words I used when I was reviewing this to you earlier was tasteless. I was not a fan of the nudity that was shown. I was not a fan of the rape scenes that are highly insinuated on what's going on. Like it's, there's sexual motion in the leaves rustling and all this stuff. Um, I watched this movie when I was 11, by the way. You can't fucking believe that. <laughs> No wonder you are the way you are. Oh, I remember it. Well, I remember it vividly because um, while we were watching it, it was me and my little brother and a bunch of our cousins. And while we were watching older it, cousins, y- yeah, always. But while we were watching it, unbe- well, some were older, some were younger. Unbeknownst mm. to us, my dad um, had snuck out of the house. The room we were watching it in had the the, the house's front door, so it opened right out. You know, we live in the country, so it was dark as shit outside. Anyway, but he had snuck outside, put on an old Halloween monster mask, and waited until it got to a pretty tense part. I don't remember the exact moment. And then he leapt in the door screaming. So your dad was there to play along, <laughs> not you know, not then, tell y'all you shouldn't be watching it. <laughs> and so, you know, you had like five or six teens and preteens pretty much instantly pee their pants. Man, I don't. You know, I was always sheltered against watching uh, things like this, and I don't know if it did any good or not, because here I am being so into it. Yeah. You know, um, so I'm not here to say that a parent should let them watch Beast Within or not, but, you know. Well, look, I wouldn't, like, my son is nine. I would not let him watch The Beast Within. Yeah. Um, That being said, I do think most of the concerns about kids seeing violence on the screen or monsters on the screen or scary things on the screen is just a, the kind of moral panic that you saw about right. rock music in the 80s where they were, you know, play it backwards and you can hear Satan. Yeah. The devil. Yeah. It's the same thing with what they did with Tales from the Crypt and the comic book industry and the comics authority and so on and so forth. Okay. So this was um, starring, <laughs> I love this name, Ronnie Cox. <laughs> I'm mature. Who says you can't uh, make the jump from adult films to mainstream (laughs) films? Even in the 80s, it was happening. Well, he straight up was – he played this type of role in a lot of films. He was the president in a a couple of films. He was was in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, he was. He was great in Beverly Hills Cop. And so it's just a funny – I just – I just kind of chuckled because I'm immature when I saw his name. But um, So in this, he's the concerned father. He plays Eli, the father. Although not exactly – well, he is concerned, but he's, he's not, not the biological father. He's not the biological father because of the um, the attack on his wife on their the honeymoon. The assault on his wife from the being that you don't fully get to see at the beginning caused her to become with child. And so... Become with beast. We're at 17 years in now. And, and it, the kid has been normal by all accounts. Yeah. His name's Michael. And until he, suddenly he starts having bizarre medical problems. Played by an actor named Paul Clemens, which this is a very physical performance. Like, even even his face. He did a lot of, like, number one, his teeth are gross. So that yes. kind of helped. And I don't know if that's natural or not. But... Um, and then his... Like, it, it just... I don't know. It was a very physical performance. Where I could see, like, he was 
pulling his face in certain directions, you know, that was just unnatural. Like they didn't the the transformation is really subtle until the climactic transformation, yeah. you know. His skin color changes and his eyes get redder and his teeth get yellower, grosser yeah, than they already like are. Brown but, almost. Yeah, yeah. And then we have uh Caroline, uh his mother, played by BB Besh. Betch Besh B E S C H. And she uh, is alarmingly like not as scarred as you would think she would be from what happened 17 yeah, years she is prior. Yeah, she's pretty uh forgive the pun, well adjusted. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, 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 given what happened to her, but w- look, yeah. we have to we have to talk about this. Yeah. Why the hell did she get out of that car? I I was thinking the same thing. I don't thing. want this to be like a we got like our... you saw what she was wearing kind of argument. I'm just why the hell did she get out of the car? Well, because the it's dog's an 80s horror movie, <laughs> well, of man. Of course, we, yeah, need, no. we need the plot to advance. Yeah. But And of course, you let the dog out, and the dog's going to get killed. The dog's going to get... Sorry, Poe. They're broken down on the part. side of a road, in, in a, a rural road in Mississippi, in, fucking in, Mississippi. in the middle of the night, and, and the husband goes to find help and leaves her in the locked car with the dog. All you got to do is stay in the car. Stay in the car with the German Shepherd dog you have. But it's an 80s horror film. I, I know. You gotta go investigate. We immediately get one of my favorite tropes, Monster Vision. Yeah, we do. The thing creeping yeah, through the woods. Do. It was gross, too, like, through mud and leaves. and The woods and are gross. Slow. Nature's gross. And this is where I didn't... I was like, oh, this is a different uh, take on a werewolf. He's, like, slimy. Like, and so, like the swamp yeah. thing werewolf. Yeah, yeah. That's I was getting very excited. But <laughs> That'd be a fun crossover. Yeah, it turned out to be a cicada. You know what my favorite crossover is? Werewolf Ghost. Really? Oh, they're in weird fiction. We'll get in. Okay. We won't get into that, but... We'll save that for another, another episode. episode. Um, I like the... So, 17 years later, the um, the kid is starting to have uh, physical changes to his body, and they're not just uh, puberty. It's not just puberty. Not just the normal hell of puberty. Right. He He's having, like, nightmares. And... Well, you see, he has an occult malignancy. <laughs> yeah. As the... <laughs> This is an actual doctor I trying to explain it. to these parents. It's an occult malignancy. And I, and I tilted my head and was like, oh, really? <laughs> and I love that the dad, at that moment when the audience is going, oh, really? The dad goes, "This is what kind of fucking hospital is this? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know this is ridiculous, but we're trying to explain something that doesn't really happen to but people. But his basic problem is, is that they, they can't feed him enough. Right. Like his, his metabolism is so amped up. Right. Um, the hunger. Yeah, the hunger. Yeah. Um, which, it's interesting what finally, you know, the food he was looking for turned out to be people. Right. <laughs> which we get in that long little bit of exposition at, at the end is that, well, he's killing a particular family. Yes. The people who killed, I guess, him in his former life. Right. Uh, let let me just get, so this is at, this is at the end of the film. The, ju- the, the. The morally questionable judge uh, does a bit of exposition for us, and it and, and here it is: Lionel, the the guy who works at the city morgue, caught Billy Connors with his wife. This happened seventeen years ago. Uh, Lionel killed his wife, uh, his own wife, and locked Billy in a cellar, 
And this is where he developed this insatiable hunger. And they don't really go into why he becomes a monster he, at all. There's, you know? You know, there's some notes about how he was always really attuned to animals and nature. Right. And then, and then yeah, and then being locked in the cellar, plus that... He didn't get bit by a radioactive... Turns him into a, a monster. Yeah. That he, can, what, reincarnate himself? Yeah, every 17 years and shed his skin. Yeah, because he literally shed... Michael sheds his skin yeah. at the end of the film, which is a disgusting shot. Um, <laughs> That's great. Slimy. So, um, Lionel, after some time, in the, and uh, um, Billy has developed this hunger, he says, you want my wife, you can have her, and throws her her corpse in the cellar with him. And that's where he develops the taste for human flesh. And so Lionel, the the guy who runs the morgue feeds bodies to Billy over time. And Billy somehow escapes. And when he escapes, he finds this newlywed couple on the side of the road and forces himself upon the wife who was, you know, at least for her character's sake, unconscious at the time because right. she ran into a tree. Right. Or I kind of got that she fainted, you know, but but yeah, I think it looked she, like she, she ran did. into she something. She did, she did. I mean, right. there's another trope you where know, she hit a log. Yeah, lady yeah. running through the the woods, falls down, runs into Trips, something. Yeah, yeah, and then bashes her head. Yeah, and Michael is born, and now here we are, 17 years later. So, and I like the beginning after all of all of um, the unsettling things, where it becomes almost like an investigative novel. It felt. Like a lot of the stories I read where they're going to the the local newspaper to look through back issues to see if they covered up a uh, a sexual assault. Oh, I feel like we should explain something to our uh-huh. younger listeners. A newspaper right. is this collection of uh, large paper sheets uh, that people used to print – Print, you know, the news of the previous day or week on, right? So that you could, so that you could know it what was had going colorful on. photos and sometimes, and, yes, and would had have advertisements mm-hmm. in them. Yes, That's right. yes. Um, well, she while she's going through the back catalog, um, Eli, the father, is going to go give the judge a once over, and this guy from the get go, you can tell, is not a good judge. Crooked. He's crooked as shit. It's the bow tie. And he shares the last name of the family that's being hunted, which is very like Lovecraftian too. There's this family that's that's got all kinds of bad ties to some supernatural shit. That's and, also very southern though, that you know, that the yeah. sins of the your family are also yours, right. that kind of thing. Right. Um and uh, Faulkner would have loved this movie. They don't remember no one recalls a sexual assault happening seventeen years ago and, and <laughs> yeah, suddenly you know, yeah, that oh, I just can't help you, mister, you know, and they are very southern. Some of the actors aren't as southern as, as the others, but it's they played that right. Oh, that guy, the guy who runs the newspaper, who oh, gets it within the hamburger scene. Oh um, which has that to scene, be dude. The most disgusting use of ham. I couldn't eat a hamburger so, <laughs> for a little while after I I saw. It. I couldn't think about ground beef. Oh man, the the actor Paul Clemens that plays Michael said it was the hardest scene he'd ever filmed in his career. This was like a couple of years ago. He said that scene in particular because it was so hard to not bust out laughing with the ridiculousness <laughs> of it. And um, the actor who plays the the newspaper guy, yeah. Was ad libbing his southern stuff, all, all the expressions all over the place, yeah, the idioms, and, yeah. And so it was. He said that was like a 
particularly oh, just, well, he's standing there role. trying. To, he's got the hamburger meat out, and he's he's trying to decide how to cook it. And he's maybe yeah. I put some salt in. No, no, I can't do that. Too, it is too I pretty. I got a pepper, <laughs> <laughs> and it's so gross. And and then you know, of course, you get the the quintessential uh, zoom in shot of hands messing with red meat. I don't know. It's very very disgusting, very disturbing. And then, of course, he kills him, and so. You have the shot of human blood and red meat, and and his feet are getting, like, his feet, while he's being choked on the ground, are smashing the red meat up against the cabinets. It's gross. Yeah, and the guy, and, and the kid like squishing. immediately, it's, you know, tears his throat open, basically. Yeah. But here's something I, so gross. that was kind of glossed over. You know, he, he's just mutilated this guy. Right. When he's found later, nobody notices that he's covered in blood. Wouldn't he have to be covered in blood? But but he's not. And so I'm thinking he like he knows how to cover up his shit. Well, like when he lies later on in the film in Amanda's bedroom, there's a killer on the loose and I just didn't want to I just made sure she wasn't alone, which is like the most bullshit explanation for a dude sneaking into, <laughs> into a, a girl's room girl's while there's bedroom. a killer on the loose. Yeah. And so, I just like just, to watch her sleep. Yeah, I just like watching her sleep. Well, that's not creepy. You're free <laughs> not, to go. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Ladies love that. And there's this line that it, I guess Billy. So Billy's consciousness has come back into Michael. Michael is trying to push it out and scream no every 15 minutes, but it's taking over. And, and there's that dream, that recurring dream he has of the um being in that that cabin the where cellar, they had imprisoned yeah. him in the cellar and the yeah. the lid to the cellar like yeah. rattling and the chains and all yeah. that, yeah. And um there's this moment where he reveals himself to his older best friend, Billy, through Michael reveals himself to Tom, his former older best friend. And it's like, don't you recognize the voice? Which I thought was an interesting scene because he's not a monster at that point. He's just using Billy's voice. Yeah. And he, he says, took me 17 years, Tom, like the cicadas. But It's I kind back. of a possession movie. Yeah. Um, a little bit. It reminds me of uh, this film that was made in the 50s uh, called The Bad Seed, um, where their little daughter is like the spirit of a serial killer inside of her. And so that's kind of like... Child's play. Yeah. Where only it's a doll, yeah. Yeah, only it's a doll instead of your 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 kid, which is probably I imagine your kid being possessed a little more terrifying than a, a fucking doll, but we won't get into the the brilliancy that is child's play just yet. I don't know. Dolls are pretty creepy. Well we we already mentioned it. Yeah, it is creepy. I tried not to mention Lovecraft in this episode. I, I know I already did. But I need to I, I need to create like a sound effect. For when. <laughs> when I feel a Lovecraft mention coming. Right. So I can just tag it in there. What do I got? I don't think I have anything. No, what do we no, have? I got... No, that's no, not, that's not going to work. That's not try, try another one. Try another one. Okay, we got... No, no, no. That'll work. Lovecraft fans <laughs> everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Levi's here. Um, so some of the names in this film, you try to get away from Lovecraft and, and he comes up everywhere. Anyway. Just when you thought you were out. Right. Um, Dexter War- uh, Ward is... Um, a reference to Charles Dexter Ward from Lovecraft, uh, a Lovecraft uh, story. And then you have a uh, Deputy Herbert, which is a reference to Herbert West Reanimator. And then there's another, the the name... Did uh, did Lovecraft ever, Kerwin. ever get down to Mississippi? Do you know? Did he ever no, visit he, the American South? Yeah, he went to Florida. 
He went to St. Augustine. That's like another country. Yeah, but he went through Georgia and stuff to get there. Okay. You know? I don't think he ever flew. So. Did, do you remember any of his writings? I mean, what any of his letters, anything he thought about the South? I'm curious yeah. if, if he would have been attracted to it. He was, but he uh, he liked the climate. He, he preferred it to be 90 degrees wherever he was, um, which is crazy for a guy that loved New England, you know? He loved the architecture, the like, because he was a big architecture nerd, which you get from some of his writings. He loved the architect, the Spanish architecture. And he was particularly, I know he was in, he probably went through Mississippi because he was in New Orleans at one point, and he loved the cemetery styles of, of New Orleans, as most um, Gothic people do, or people that are in love with, with Gothic architecture and stuff like that. Uh, some of the shots in this film are amateur. They have like really quick, Cuts that don't really follow what's actually happening. So, like, there's that scene where we, we're we not sure the sheriff in this film even blinks on camera. I'm pretty sure he doesn't blink once. And it's and he has these these piercing blue eyes. Right. And a, and a hell of a, a Sam Elliott mustache. Yeah, he's got a great mustache. But he there does. are all these scenes where he's just staring directly at the camera. It was, you know, standing for the person he's talking to or whatever. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't blink. And, and it's almost like they went out of their way to show. And they hold his the, face, right. I think, for like a natural amount of time. And that's seems. what I mean by the, the shots yeah. aren't f- as fluid as they should be. You know, there, there's weird cuts and then there's these long cuts. And so, and then in some scenes, the blocking is awkward. Like when Michael goes to a fr- confront Amanda at her house to tell her to leave, otherwise the beast within him is going to kill her. Which he, I like, thought was very polite of him. Well, yeah, but he runs downstairs, and she follows him. And then he, instead of going out the door, he runs into the living room, stands there. She comes over to him. He grabs her, throws her, and then runs out the front door. And it's like, why, why did you even go into the living room? I know this is petty shit that I'm picking at here, but blocking is very important in theater, but also in film. And there's this, some this, this things why, that happen. This is why I want us to make a movie together. Because right. I just imagine you chasing me all over the set, yelling at me about... Oh, yeah, <laughs> where is your triangular angle? <laughs> where is your angle? <laughs> and I'm yeah, just yeah. all, look at this camera! <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a fancy one. Well, and it's like they just... I don't know. For it to be a United Artists film and and certain things... There were just certain amateur aspects about it. And, of course, I'm sitting here sipping my pretentious tea about it. But, I, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's why I wanted to do a podcast on horror Solid films. intro music. Yeah, I was going to say the music quality is very orchestral. Yeah, uh, for and big it's, band. it's very big budget. You know, uh, so contradicting the the fucking amateur shots and blocking, you have some pretty good acting and a big band score. <laughs> so it's it feels some, a lot of a lot of times it feels like a big budget, a bigger budget, and then a lot of times it feels like a eighties B movie. Which made me kind of like it, that it was different that way. Pretty obvious the whole thing's a sort of loose allegory for puberty and adolescence in general, right? Kids, right. you know, transforming by questions of identity, and ultimately he becomes a monster. Mm-hmm. As we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you know. <laughs> After That's... 17, yeah. Okay, so I was going to ask you, what did you hate most about adolescence? Oh, um, wow. Uh I didn't like the acne. I didn't like the smell. I did. I didn't like. Well, I'm going to get really deep here. I didn't like that I needed the 
affirmation of the opposite sex in order to feel substantial. Well, yeah, you woke up one day and you had one more need. That's not it progress. Was, yeah, right. <laughs> it, it was weird. Like I, that's a step backwards. I was, yeah, and and I was not. I did not gracefully uh, make the transition from uh, boy that that plays with toys to to boy that to the sophisticated man I see sitting before me now. Right. Uh, uh no. I, from from I guess from just like elementary school to high school. I didn't really make that transition uh very well. And once I got into college, you know, and you're allowed certain a uh, lot more freedoms in college and you see the way the world is a little more. Again, like we were talking earlier, there's still a thin veneer on how the world really is while you're, I think while you're in college, but I kind of grew into my own there, I think. But yeah, um, I didn't like being an adolescent. What's yours? Mine. Uh, there's so many horrible things to choose from, but I, and this isn't an original answer, but I think I got to come down with, uh, or on uh, nervous erections. Oh my God. I'm mm. <laughs> nervous erections. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. People. It's not just me. I swear. Really, people when, get or, when you or, get nervous, or you just like randomly, you know the the old oh. thing. You're sitting in class. Don't call on me right now, please. That that sort of oh, thing. that sort of thing. Okay, yeah, the spontaneous. Okay, spontaneous or, or nervous. I guess I would say I would call it spontaneous um, excitement. But out even, of nowhere, but, well, it's just yeah, hormones, but, you know. But, but yeah. even when you your thoughts weren't in that direction at all, it was just like. Oh no! You're sitting in the middle of geometry class. It's it, you know, it's like a, a sorry late, a sorry for our lady listeners. It's like a really, um, really unreliable car alarm. You know, the ones that will just sort of randomly go off. Mm-hmm. Um, and you it's just true, never though. you never know yeah. when it's going to happen. It's true. Yeah, it's it's a weird, it's I a hated weird that. state because people still kind of treat you like a child, but you're starting to have these more mature adult urges. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's a weird thing. Um, but I do remember thinking that the experience overall was horrifying. Yeah, it is weird. And, and I just mean the body changes. Well, I just mean I, I have distinct memories of like, you know, each step and just thinking like, Jesus, what now? And being from the South, they it's just something that's not talked about. You just kind of deal with it. Like it, almost like sex, sex education. Like, well, yeah, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get a um, relatively – straightforward med- medical overview of, right. of how everything works but but it, it and it's yeah it's just a medical overview it's not how to actually grow into it and you know your your parents are are there to help some of them are not so helpful than others uh and really you kind of learn from your friends like i learned about sex through my friends yeah not i learned about the birds and the bees through my friends which well, was which was a little twisted, probably. I guess I learned about it from books, oh. and then and then movies. <laughs> well, yeah, um, obviously, uh, movies, the sorts of things us. I was films to, exposed to watch. us to, yeah, to a lot of things. But um, yeah, it's an awkward time. Um, but it, it, there's I, a lot of films that deal with this, you know. Yeah, and I, and, and I just brought it up because of that because mm-hmm. I I I have that distinct memory of just how horrifying the whole experience was and sort of unwanted, right? Right. It's the first time. That your body really betrays you. Right. It's the first time you realize that this thing I'm in has priorities that aren't mine. Right. You there you know, you kinda grow up thinking you have this um 
dominance over everything in your body. Well, because you're just a child. Well, sure, you know? and kids are, you know, they're in the, the best health of their lives. Yeah. The ones that are you're not even conscious to be that born you're healthy. That yeah. you're not healthy. You and know? when you get yeah. injured, you heal as quickly as you're ever going to heal. Right. right. You have mm-hmm. a, an almost limitless supply of energy. Yeah. And you know, and if you're, you're lucky, endorphins and, and adrenaline, and you grow yeah. up with a family that loves you, you you have the run of the place, basically, right? Right. And so it's you know, I, I think it's easy to look back and remember that as remember how you just didn't realize, mm-hmm. you know, that this was not a permanent state. Well, and that that doesn't only deal with teenagers either. Like you go through that when you're in your mid thirties. Oh like, yeah, no, where you're it, like, yeah, oh shit, puberty is just the first betrayal, right? And, and there so, are lots more coming. Well, this is a darker thought, but it's absolutely true. The minute you're born, you begin to die, and so. It's yeah. Thanks for that, Mother Nature. So you have to. Well, that or we'd be eternal, which sounds like hell to me. Honestly, let. I mean, I don't want to be. I would never want to be immortal. I mean, even after Netflix, no. Even after podcasts, you could just no. I've I've read too many vampire stories to to know that immortality is a curse, not a blessing. I don't know. I think it's like Um, whenever I I know that's the point of those stories, but mm -hmm. I have the same reaction to that as I. As I do to a rich person saying money can't buy you happiness. Right. It's like, I'd, I'd like to find that out for myself. Thank you. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But, yeah, when you when you get in your mid-30s, you start to get acid reflux, and, and, and you wake up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, and, and these these things never happen. By the way, this episode and is sponsored by Prilosec. <laughs> Prilosec, <laughs> the only anti-acid medication you'll ever need. Long-lasting, one pill a day. I, this is not medical advice. <laughs> no, do not. <laughs> Do not do not take ever take advice. medical advice from either me or Levi. No. So, yeah, this film is relevant when it comes to your body betrays you your entire life, you know. And so, uh, but they start, of course, with the seventeen-year-old number one with cicada, and number two with a teenager changing into a an adult, or if you want to sound really fancy, an adult. And so, yeah, I thought that was captured really well in this film. And again, I liked the the physical actor or the physical acting of Paul Clemens, and I and I liked Ronnie Cox as the father. He had really good and, chemistry with. I, I don't know the name of the lady that played the teenage girl. Uh, I don't. Man, I don't okay, either. I, I Amanda is the yeah, is the name, is of, the the name of the character. Yes, but they but they have really good chemistry together. I thought. Yeah, it, it really does in, in the very beginning seem like a sweet kind of attraction. Right, and then at the end they. Um, uh, tastelessly and unneededly show her nude. Like it's like, well, not not nude. They, it's weird to me because I see things sometimes that I'm like, they put that in there for fucking perverts, which is a claw ripping her clothes off, you know. And it, you see everything. They even show like, they even show uh, her pelvic region, you know. And it's like. I don't know. I just kind of was like, why? Why do we need to see that? Why do we need to see this dude like crawl on top of her and then show him him the being the fucking cicada monster moan in pleasure? Like I just didn't like was, Jesus, man. That was probably the single most uncomfortable sound. Yeah. In that movie. Yeah, it's weird. Well, it I find the the Star Trek cicadas sounding is very uncomfortable, but that's just well. That just seemed it was hard for that to be that's un- just bad un- post production, uncomfortable <laughs> because it just was silly. Yeah, it's you know? just bad post. But um, I think you were in Mississippi, you couldn't record some actual cicadas. That's what I thought. I was like, man, it looks like woods, y'all shot man. on location. Like, 
It really does. It looks like they shot in Arkansas, you know, or Mississippi or Georgia. I don't know if the Georgia tax breaks were available back then, but they sure are now. So I don't. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't know why they couldn't just take a fucking mic and record some cicadas, but they yeah. did make good use of the location overall, though. Yeah, they did. And that scene where they're digging up all the bodies, they find that mass grave. Yeah. Oh, oh man, I'm telling. There's some there's some weird fiction novelization love in this film, especially when they're like digging up the grave and they got the lanterns. <laughs> it's so good. I love shit like that, Jonathan. Like if this film would have taken place in like, I don't know, the eighteen eighties instead of the nineteen eighties, I would have liked it a lot more. And it wouldn't have it wouldn't have needed to be that different. No, and the You just slightly different clothes. Right. And the and the um the score could have stayed the same and it would have felt like a hammer film. You they know? would have they would have had to travel the, back to the town on uh the horseback, horseback or something. Carriage, a, yeah. Train maybe. Also, don't ever leave your brand new spouse in a car on a rainy night on the side of the road to walk two miles back to yeah. get a tow truck. Yeah. She or he is with coming you. with you. Yeah. yeah, sorry. You got to take the dog, yeah. get your lady, and you know, because going on their a, life a, a is more important than the damn car being stolen by a hitchhiker. In like, his defense, though, how was he supposed to know that a, a rapey half human monster was, it was like 100 yards away? It was away. like the 60s, too. Because that took place 17 years before this, the film. That's was. right. Yeah. The little opening. So, bit. no, everyone believed everyone. Also, the car that Ronnie Cox drives in this film is amazing. I think it's like a blue Pontiac station wagon. Oh, that you, thing know could, about, you know about things that surprise me. You know about sports. Yeah. You know about cars. I know about older cars. Yeah. I don't, Sorry. I have, I have no such man knowledge. It's not man knowledge. It's just useless knowledge. I... Like, have an encyclopedia of useless knowledge up here. Partially why I started a podcast with you. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to need two or three to let it all out. Well, well, I've told you about my idea for And ladies and gentlemen, this is a sneak peek into the new podcast that I might be working on called Ooh. A History of Breakfast. Remember I've talked to you about that where yes. it's like little 10-minute segments about things that I've researched because I'm a weirdo and have to research everything I eat? Yeah. And breakfast seems to be the most interesting of the three meals. <laughs> well, do it, man. You already got your home studio. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. And we can start our own production company and uh, a podcast production company. And, and then we're, we're possibly going to have another podcast called No Shit Cheryl, where uh, my girlfriend gives the deets on some shit. <laughs> that's a good title. Yeah. Um, we're going to have her for um, Peter Jackson's masterpiece, Dead Alive, because that is her favorite film. Not favorite horror film, favorite film. Really? And so, yeah, she's watched it like 200 times. She swears it's been 200 That's times. That's the Ninja Priest, right? Yeah. I kick ass for, for the, the Lord. Lord. Yeah, it's got a lot of great one-liners in it. But before we get too off track, what was your favorite line from the film? From The Beast Within. Speaking um, of great one-liners. You know, there's some the, a bunch of great southernisms, for lack of a better word, particularly in that hamburger scene. Um, oh yeah, but the the one that always makes me laugh for reasons I can't really explain is when he's he's hunting his former best friend, and he stops and he just screams Tom. Oh, yeah. what, what's he? It's what's weird. He, does he expect Tom not to run away? I don't. It's like when he screams now every he's, fifteen the, the minutes. Yeah, the he character just, has like these random, you mm -hmm. know, exclamations or and movements. I, I guess that's supposed to be part of his transformation, though, or part of his change. Well, I understand. It's, it's almost yeah. like he has Tourette's. He is metamorphosizing into a he screams monster. kill me for break. five minutes straight in the hospital scene. And they you know? really should have listened to him. They really should have. <laughs> Oh man, because right after that he transforms into something just completely gnarly. I mean, it because you have to give gross, the, the character man. the. 
there, there's still the original boy in there somewhere along with right. this, like, you know, malevolent entity or whatever. And that was the la- that was literally the last of the boy we saw, yeah. was him saying, all right, fuckers. But he is, kill per- me. He is perfectly willing to take the hero's exit because yeah. he wants to protect his new lady, his new love interest. Amanda, yes. Amanda. Um, obviously, his parents are there. So, you know, there was, there was some – he tried to do the right thing. He did. Yeah, he did the last thing he knew he thought he could do, which was plead to them to to not take let him this out. take over. Yeah, and then the monster comes out, and we're just off. We're back to the woods. By the way, the did you notice the father's jacket? No, it's one of those like it's like suede, but it has fur around patches of the suede. It's like, and it has this big fur collar. It's this very like cowboy jacket. Very. The parents have an odd reaction. Because by the middle of the movie, um, it's obvious to everybody that their kid is the one doing right, the killing. And, right. It's like he shows up to town and all of a sudden people start dying. <laughs> but they don't – so there has to be a moment when they know that, but we don't see them react to that moment or ever react to that knowledge. Maybe because they're so busy trying to keep him alive with right, all they, weird medical stuff going on. Well, they have no jurisdiction, and yet they're – the father is with the police the whole time. <laughs> he's, just, and, and he's on a ride-along for the entire that's one movie. Of, that's one of the plot lines I don't like. But I do like that they tried to deal with that by going – the more, the guy from the morgue, um, uh, Lionel, say, uh, the, the father, Eli, asks him a question while the police are around him too. And he goes, who the fuck is this guy? I don't have to answer to this guy. And the, and the police officer, the sheriff, just goes, shut up and answer the question. <laughs> it was like the script writer telling the viewer, look, just, look, yeah, just, just go it. with it. Just go. Yeah. Just shut up and answer the question. I loved it. My favorite line from the film was, um, uh, oh, it's uh, you look like the uh, back of a coon hound who just crawled out of the swamp. It was that's one of those oh, southern yeah. euphemisms that was disgusting and paints a vivid picture. That was probably my my favorite line in the movie. Besides, just shut up and answer the question. <laughs> but um, so a lot of things happen. He he becomes the cicada monster. One of the best deaths I've seen in a lot of horror movies is where. They they trap the judge who we find out has the last name of the family members that the cicada monster is killing. They they put him in a jail cell to protect him, and they start to hear the cicada noise, and the monster reaches through the fucking brick wall and just yeah. rips his head off. Like his head is just and his body just stays right there, <laughs> but the head just pulls right off. I mean, and in like the thing style makeup too where it like stretches and oh, all yeah. that yeah i thought that was a really good death you know that might have been my favorite like horror aspect of this movie besides the investigative part of it at the beginning but it comes around to where the monster finds amanda who is in the woods rips her clothes off like i said earlier why and, are they back in the woods and sexually assaults her and so it comes full fucking circle where there's going to be another cicada monster in 17 years, more than likely. They don't really go into that. And they just they, killed, you'd think they would have figured that they out. They just kill the monster with a shotgun, right? And so, but, and so mom shows up and kills her baby boy that was you know, a spawn of the monster anyway. So she creates the boy and she kills the boy. Very poetic. But 
Um, and then that's just, it just fucking ends like right there. Like the mom and dad are hugging and they're crying and the camera starts to pull away and then the credits come up and that's it. So you don't figure out, you know, there's no tease that Amanda is pregnant with another cicada monster. There's no like cleanup of the town and what they have to do about all the fucking murders that just happened. It just ends, which cool. Great. It's got a lot of stuff uh, in this movie you could do in the 80s that you uh, you just can't do now. Yeah, Mitchell Mitchell brought up that in our last episode where he's like, people want 14 plot points and, and three spinoffs. And the 80s just weren't here for that. <laughs> the 80s were like, just buckle up and, and go for the ride and shut up. <laughs> we're going to get answer the from question. point A to point B in as gross and uh, terrifying a manner as possible. Right. Um and you got to respect that. The 80s have a huge place in the, the horror genre. Look, there's obviously a whole, a whole lot of bad things you could say about this movie. Um, but like a lot of 80s movies, it just has a kind of crazy energy to it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of that is just the, the sharp contrast between, again, what you know we allow to be in our media now and what was allowed to be in it back then. You know, there's just a, a completely different mindset. Right. And um, I, it kind of had some commentary on, I don't know, maybe I'm stretching it here, but like, listen to the patient, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of was if like, any doctors if they, are listening to this, you know, the next time that your patient says, yeah, yeah. kill me, <laughs> I understand that's complicated, but you might think about it. Well, I just felt my, my, you might play that if, tape forward. If they just listen to the kid, this would all be, you know, resolved, but it wouldn't because it would you know, rely on them murdering their son. And so that's not going to happen. But overall, I was not as disgusted by this film as I thought I would be. Um, I've been putting this, watching this one off for quite some time now. (laughs) Um, Poor Jonathan had to suffer through two of my favorite movies to get to this one. But, and I, um, this should not be one of my favorite movies. And it only is because of when I saw it. Nostalgia. Yeah. Nostalgia. When I saw it. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's not a bad film. And it's not a werewolf movie like I thought. So there is that surprise. And it had little Lovecraft notes in it, which, of course, tickled my fancy. I think the best um, argument for watching it is that it is very strange. It is it's, very it's a weird. weird cross right. between a werewolf movie or a possession movie. Right. And you've got all that southern apparently gothic darkness in there. Uh, the director, Mora, um, a lot of his films are weird. And this is one of the better ones. Okay. Yeah, so I can't imagine what is one of his worst ones are, you know. I'm not maybe one day we'll look him up and try to explore his explore filmography, it, but uh but yeah, I I just um I'm cool with this for now. It again touched on some notes that I like, so overall not bad. And uh I'm glad I watched it, you know. It's another 80s film I had no idea about. Oh, and, I just thought of another title. What? Thank God for Mississippi. Ooh!